0: Welcome to V is for Victory, a podcast about how small businesses overcome big battles. I'm your host, Jill Miller of Vera Creative, a boutique marketing firm in the Chicagoland area where I'm also a part-time professor of an advertising course. Join me as I talk with entrepreneurs about the challenges they faced as well as their strategies for success. Tricia Nelson. She is a emotional eating expert and founder of HealYourHunger.com. Thanks for being with us today, Tricia.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about where your story begins. Was emotional eating uh, something that came up for you in your own life or was it something you observed in the lives of others? Like how and where does your story begin? Oh, totally personal. <laughs> so um,
1: yeah, I I was an emotional eater uh, early on in my life. I mean, uh, food is a big obsession for me. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to, you know, serve food to other people. And it was just everything I thought about and which wouldn't have been terrible, except that I gain weight really easily. So um, that was the part that was really bad is that I grew up fat basically. And I hated being fat. I had a roll on my tummy that would scrunch up in my hands and imagine cutting it off. Like you've cut fat off the side of a steak or getting some a disease where I'd automatically lose weight without having a diet. Or I even consider joining the army where I'd, I'd be forced to go oh, through boot, boot camp and yeah. exercise because I hated exercise. So I was like, <laughs> you know, pretty tortured. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then I tried lots of different things to try to solve my weight issue, um, uh, and nothing I tried worked. So I was really desperate. I know the pain of, you know, not fitting into my jeans, having five different sizes of jeans in my closet. Cause I never knew what size I was going to be. Um, and then, so what happened for me after trying many different diets is that I felt really hopeless and I met somebody who was able to show me how to heal. And so, that changed everything. And I was able to lose the 50 extra pounds and live in a thin body. And uh, because I found a solution, I started working with my mentor to help others. And that was many years ago. And it wasn't until about five years ago that I started my own business doing this work of showing people how to heal from emotional eating. So because I can't diet, I had to go deeper and really address the underlying causes of my eating issues. So everything I do, I wrote a book, a best-selling book, and I created a podcast and I, um, you know, I created a course online and I coach online uh, to, you know, women all around the world. So that's kind of how everything happened, but totally driven by my own you know, my own personal story and also just knowing the pain of this condition I suffer from and and how many other people are still suffering and just wanting to help them.
0: Wow. There's so much in there. Uh, first I can totally relate because I feel like, you know, I've tried the whole 30 diet didn't really work at all for me where it's, Mm. you know, I heard everybody say like, Oh, I lost X amount of weight or, Oh, I feel so great. Or, Oh, I have so much more energy. And right now I'm trying TRS with a a heavy metal detox and there's Facebook groups of like 30,000 people and all these testimonials of how Mm. it's just cured them. And I'm sitting here three months into my heavy metal detox and I feel zero difference. And I'm like, how does this work for everybody on the planet, but me and you, it is, it's very isolating. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's so, so that was interesting as you were talking a little bit about your personal story. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I can really relate to this and I wonder how many of my listeners can relate as well. Um, talk to me a little bit because every, I think almost every person I've interviewed for my podcast, every entrepreneur has had a mentor. How did you get connected to your mentor? Um, well, I mean, my
1: mentor was obviously the one who helped me, um, uh, more than anybody. And, and I, I mean, how did I get connected? I, I knew some women who were getting help from him and I saw profound changes in their lives. And so I literally witnessed the work that he does in other people's story. And that's what convinced me. And he sort of specialized in helping people who just couldn't get it anywhere else. So that's what happened as I saw it in other people, and I called him up and said, "Hey, can you help me?" And that's <laughs> kind of what that's what happened.
0: <laughs> and yeah. And so I feel like there's a level of consciousness that has to be reached to when people realize, I can't slap a band-aid on this any longer. I can't pop a pill. Um, you know, there there is an underlying issue. There's a root cause and I need to address that versus all these temptations that just mask symptoms. Um, what what are your thoughts on all the marketing, all the products, all the, you know, just all the noise in that space of um You know whether it's a pharmaceutical or even a natural product that, like you said, like just doesn't address the underlying issues.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, there's a lot of noise out there for sure. And I mean, if you do a a search on Amazon right now for diet books, you'll get over sixty thousand results. So yeah, and it it's it's dizzying for people. And uh, the statistics show. I mean, there are dozens of uh, studies that show that at least 95% of all diets fail. So mm-hmm. that's what we're looking at is a ridiculously, you know, abysmal success rate, and and yet people are still going at it, spending, I mean, billions of dollars on weight loss. Um, so the people who are attracted to my message, I think, have had they been around the block so many times and they're frustrated they're frustrated. They, I mean, like me, they feel like, gosh, there's gotta be a better way. You know, this, this yo-yoing syndrome doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know? And so I, I, what I have to share with people is a deeper message. It's a soulful message. It's one that really does go deeper and, and speaks to people's heart. You know I mean? It's, it's so sexy to think, oh, there's a new diet out there. There's a new plan. There's a new strategy you know, a new, you know, the ketones or the, you know, intermittent fasting Mm. or the keto, you know, whatever this, that, and the other. And it's, that's all sexy, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all dealing with this symptom and not the problem. Like the symptom of, of overweight. Overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. So for me, we got to start talking about what's eating me. You know, what's going on? Why am I driven to go into the kitchen five times a day? You know, what's really going on? And so that deeper conversation, even though it's not as sexy and it's kind of scary. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we spend our lives avoiding our feelings, avoiding looking within, that's why we eat. Um, so to ask somebody to start doing that, um, you know, they have to be ready for that conversation. So, so I, I, I don't work with everybody who wants to lose weight. I work with people who want to lose weight, but understand that they have to go deeper. And that's, that's, that's where I, I live. That's the emotional eating piece. Everybody knows what's, you know, most people aren't stupid. They know that salads are better than pizza, but they keep eating pizza. So what I do is I help people understand why they keep eating pizza and how to stop craving pizza.
0: That's so fascinating. So my, I have a personal question <laughs> to ask yeah. you for my own, my own, I like, so I have a toddler. She just turned three. Mm-hmm. What do you think we do as parents that might be encouraging emotional eating in our children, like in ways that we don't even realize it?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh, that is tricky, isn't it? So, um, you know, my I don't have kids, but my sisters have kids, and they both have eating. You know, they've had disorder eat, eating. All three mm. of us have. Um, and I would just say the number one thing you can do is is address your own stuff and own mm. issues around food, so that you don't model, you know, disordered behavior. And that's obviously easier said than done. But a lot of times people you know, they, they don't realize how sensitive kids are and how much they pick up on our own issues and our own, you know, problems that we have or neuroses that we have, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunate. We'd like to hide it. Right. (laughs) So, um, but, uh, you know, so I think just, you know, probably the best thing a parent can do is address their own issues of food and also be really mindful of, of, putting yourself first you know Mm -hmm. like literally as a parent you're it's so easy to get stressed out it's so easy to put your kids first um but the problem with that is it'll bite you it'll come back to bite you because if like the the classic scenario of putting your oxygen mask on first on an airplane if you don't take care of yourself you won't have the resources from which to care for other people. Yeah. And you'll be eating like that. The reason why we eat is because we don't, we're not good at self-care. And so we're running around doing for other people. And if we don't stop and take time for ourselves first, you know, then we use food to keep us going. We, we, we resort to snacky foods for stamina and, um, and there's, you know, obviously that's going to that's going to cause problems. It's going to cause weight gain and self-disgust and, and, you know, this, this conflict around food that kids are going to pick up on. So the best thing you can do is make sure you, you know, meditate, make sure you have time like mommy time, you know, where you are taking care of yourself and, and offloading stress. So you're not stress eating.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, you're speaking to my heart because I also teach yoga and my listeners know that. So <laughs> um, self-care and meditation and, you know, exercise yeah. are all you get right it. up my alley, but yeah, you know, I mean, as, as a parent, I just worry about everything. And so I try not to reward with food mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to create that, like, oh, I'm going to go reward myself with food every time I do a good job, because I feel mm-hmm. like even in positive ways, you can become like, in a sense, positively, like positively, emotionally eating, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, yeah. um, you know, using it as a reward. And I think that that can create just as much shame and guilt and all the feels. Um, yeah, I that, know that's yeah. really, really important. Yeah. So, okay. So you had a mentor, they helped you. And at what point then did you decide, you know, entrepreneurship in this particular um I guess area, I don't know, industry, if we want to say, I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like you're not in the diet industry or really in the, in the health. You no. Know, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, psychology. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, at what point did you realize at what point in the journey, like how far were you a hundred percent healed? Are we ever a hundred percent healed, um, before you started helping others?
1: Yeah, I, I, I you know, I do consider it a continuum. Like you're, you're never cured. Um, you know, I think with any addictive habit, it's, I subscribe to kind of the Alcoholics Anonymous version of, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're, you're in recovery, but not recovered, Mm -hmm. um, because it can come back really quickly. If I don't do my self-care, if I don't, you know, stay on top of my emotions, it's easy to fall back. So, um, uh, for that reason, I consider myself still recovering. And so um, I will say that when I started my business, I had worked for many years, literally decades with my mentor and in, in helping other people, we partnered to help other people. So, um, uh, you know, I had I had a lot of recovery under my belt, so to speak. But um, I think I, actually when I first started my podcast, I was actually going through a bit of a hard time and I was a little lost cause I stopped working with my mentor. So I was like, where's my next, you know, what, I'm, what I'm going to do. So emotionally I was in a tough place, but I followed a calling, you know, I, I heard in my heart that I needed to do, work with emotional eaters specifically. We'd worked with all addictions before. So I knew mm-hmm. I needed to work with emotional eaters and I resisted that for a long time, but finally I stepped into my my shoes and did it. Um, and it, it helped me personally. Like I, I came out of my funk and as I started working on my podcast, so, you know, I'd like to say I was all better and then I did it, but actually I was going through a hard time and doing, answering that call I was probably going out through a hard time because I wasn't answering that call. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't aligned with my heart, you know, with God, that still small voice in God voice inside of me. So once I did that, I, I got back on into my groove, you know? So I think that's an important lesson for people too, is, you know, fear will keep us stuck and keep us, uh, holding back. But when we step into what we know is our calling, um, you know, as scary as it is, amazing things will happen.
0: Yeah. Um, I hundred percent agree with that. I think for many of us, we feel like if we don't, aren't perfect, don't have all the answers, don't have it all together, um, that we don't have the gift or the tools or the capacity to help others. And I think the world misses out on a lot from Mm. other people because, because of that, um, self-doubt and that, that belief pattern. Um, and I always say like, I teach yoga for myself, you know, when I get up to start teaching some of the things that come out of my mouth, I'm like, Oh, that was so good. I need to <laughs> Exactly. I, like, I don't even know where that came from, but it manifested like through me for yeah. me, not just yeah. for the audience. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow, that's so okay. So I that makes a lot more sense. So you worked with your mentor. You were doing all different types of healing um, with different people, but then you, you know, your heart was really yearning for emotional eating and was the podcast and the website the, the were they launched at the same time?
1: Yes. Yeah. Vir- virtually the same time. So yeah, I did my podcast and my website. Then I wrote my book or, or finished writing my book, um, got that up on Amazon and then, after the book came my course, you know, my, my course that um, sort of is an extension of the book and goes a lot deeper and supports people, you know, um, in person, online, but in person. So because a book's not going to, likely it's, it's hard for people to heal just from a book. So mm-hmm. the, book was a, the book was a great calling card to let people know about my work. And it's a great lead generator for me. Um, but, uh, the course is where people really heal. So I've been offering my course has been going for four years now, four plus years. Um, and it's been amazing and people have gotten amazing support from, um, the work that I do. So it's just an ongoing process of growing, you know, scaling the business.
0: Yeah. When you started your podcast, your website, in terms of um, marketing and growing a business, what were some of your challenges that you faced? And then what did, you know, for me, I always draw back on like, okay, so if I'm in marketing and I'm struggling with something, maybe I pull from one of my principles and practices of yoga and I apply it to my business side of life, you see what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I I just find it really fascinating how life can always just intersect and you can use lessons from seemingly one completely separate area of your life, but really apply it um, all over. So what were some of the hurdles that you came across when you started a business? And then what was the self-talk and what were the tools that you used to solve those problems that might be similar to how you help your clients?
1: Oh my gosh, I would say self-doubt is probably the biggest, you know, um, not knowing what I was doing, but feeling compelled to do it, you know, <laughs> do something. So, um, you know, that's always a little tricky. Um, also getting it up and running. I mean, if you're not making any money, you know, you're, it's depressing, you know, and it's, <laughs> and you don't make money right out of the gate. You have to have a year or so. I mean, I had a year or so of going backwards, you know, and funding my business and, um i think maybe two years of i wouldn't say going backwards i think the second year i was i was starting to bring in money but you know that's slow so you have Mm -hmm. to make sure that you have money in the bank and you have to make sure or another business or job you know while you get it up and running it just doesn't just happen it's really a slow build so that can be super frustrating um and you, it takes a lot of perseverance. I mean, there's times where you yeah. just want to quit, you know, and say, screw it, or nobody wants this or whatever. But actually I will say when I created my course and people started going through my course and getting benefit from it, that was like a light bulb for me. Cause I didn't know if what I was doing was going to help people. I knew I had a solution personally, and I wanted to share it with other people, but it wasn't until I started hearing people say, Oh my God, this is such good content. Oh my God, this is helping me so much. And look at how I've lost weight. And like, they're starting to tell me all these things. And even though that was the point of my doing it, you're still kind of surprised. Like, really? (laughs) Like, really? People really get benefit from this stuff? (laughs) So, you know, the positive feedback is so awesome because it, it, it confirms, you know, what you knew, but you don't really know until somebody actually reflects it back to you. Like, yes, this is awesome. Yes. It's helping. So, so there's that, but, um, but the, you know, the ramping up and keeping the faith I'd say is probably the biggest challenge.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I was just talking to my assistant the other day about how the world is kind of not really set up for small businesses. Like I was just trying to order a couple t-shirts and it's like, you can't do it. You can't just order a couple. You have to have literally you know, several hundred to a thousand dollars put aside to get a variety of colors and a variety of sizes. And there's minimum quantities when you're talking about promotions and promotional items. And it's like, I just want a couple and I want to sell them and see if I can make some money and start slow. But it's like, you know, there's, it's, that is very challenging. And you can spend a lot of time searching on different sites and trying to find the best prices. And then do I get all the printing done in one spot? Or then do I take it to somebody local? And I'm just kind of talking out loud here is something that I went through just this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, it, and it was, a, it dawned on me. It's like, yeah, it's hard to not um it's hard to not go all in, you know? It's hard to just yeah. be a little bit in. <laughs> yeah, um, so true. Yeah, and especially when you're talking about money. Um, but let's talk about the faith piece. So you're right, it, it's really hard to have faith faith in yourself, faith that it's going to work out. Um, faith it, it, for me, I think there's been a couple pivotal moments in my life where I reflect back and I think I made the wrong decision. And so it's very hard for me now that when big decisions come across my plate for me to have faith in myself to mm. make the right decision because I've made the wrong decision in my past. Mm. So talk to me a little bit about um, the faith piece where you get your faith, um, what you do in those moments of fear.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm a daily meditator and i um, And I pray and I do a lot of spiritual work. I mean, it's part of how I have healed from emotional eating. Mm -hmm. So it's what I teach. You know, I Mm -hmm. teach people to meditate and pray and do these things to help and write and do things to clear out the obstacles to that channel of inspiration. Um, And so that's really vital for me is that I, I do every day, you know, connect with spirit, get grounded because otherwise I'm up in my head and I'm in in indecision and confusion. And so the more spiritually grounded I can be, the more inspired I am. And the more the decisions I make work for me, you know, like it just works out. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas if I'm not putting first things first, putting my, my, you know, myself and my Um, self-care, like I talked about before, if I'm not putting self-care first, um, then I'm I'm not as in tune. So I'd say that's the first thing is make sure I do first things first, make sure I take time, no matter how busy I am, because my head will be like, I don't have time to meditate. Like I've got so much to do and I got to make this business work and I got to do this and that. You know, (laughs) so it's not like I'm like hop skipping and jumping through meditating, (laughs) you know, it's like I'm resistant
0: floating on a cloud to your meditation. No,
1: (laughs) exactly. So, so I have to, you know, put, I have to remind myself first things first, you know, put your, you know, get connected to spirit first and your decisions will be so much more inspired And things will work out. So that's really important to me is that I always stay spiritually connected so that I can be like this, the things I do are inspired, you know, and so, um, and it doesn't always work out. I mean, I made one business decision, which was really I mean, expensive. I had paid for a service that I didn't really need and I couldn't get out of it. So that was $7,500 down the tubes, you know, yeah, (laughs) super painful. So, um, but that it happens and you do spend a lot of money trying to figure things out. Like it is not cheap to start a business. Um, so, and then you do everything yourself at first and then you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I need help. So, um, but i will just say that you just you live and learn everybody spends money as they're figuring it out you know you blow money you i mean you buy too much you know, too many t shirts, you yes. buy too much, too much stock of too something. Yeah, yep. You throw stuff out later when you're moving to your yeah. next house. You're like, oh, here's boxes of shit I never used. Yeah. You know, so all oh, these old postcards, they right? did not work. Exactly. Yeah. So it just, it's, it's par for the course. Everybody does it. And it's just, you just sort of have to shrug it off and just keep moving forward and not try to get bent out of shape about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're so, you're so right about that. Take me a little bit through the podcast journey because you know I'm fairly new. I consider myself fairly new as a podcaster. I originally started out doing two episodes a, a month, and my podcast was originally called The Batter. Um, and what was the tagline? Oh my gosh, I've already even forgot Batter. How do you spell that? <laughs> yeah, like like a uh, B A T T E R, but like okay. Um, you know like a you know, like cupcake batter oh funny <laughs> get, yeah for some reason i oh ingredients to success and recipes for disaster that's oh, what funny. it was got it <laughs> um and i want i rebranded about a year into the show because i wanted it to resonate with my marketing brand which is called vera creative so that's where v is for victory um mm-hmm. which actually like you know this is a story about being too close to the brand. You can't like, sometimes you're just so close to your own brand and it's so personally, you just cannot be creative about it. And that's where Mm -hmm. I was. I was so stuck. And so Mm -hmm. I actually outsourced it to my students one semester (laughs) for a project. I was like, hey, can you guys come up with a better podcast name? And, you know, this is the direction I want to take it in. And they just nailed it. (laughs) So I was forever grateful for that. But um, so, yeah, I'm still fairly new to podcasting. We started in 2020. Uh, during lockdowns. I think that's a lot of people um, kind of started there and then and there most likely, but he, it's a huge business. Um, have you been able, do you want, do you have advertisers or sponsors? Do you monetize your podcast? Just kind of take me through that journey. Sure. Um, I did not monetize
1: it. Uh, I've never, not even attempted to monetize mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a great idea if you can. I just haven't focused on that because it is I mean, it doesn't, first of all, I don't spend a lot of money on my podcast. So my mm-hmm. virtual assistant edits it for me, mm-hmm. you know, I paid to have a bumper on the front and the end of it, my little intro and outro. It's mm-hmm. so easy. I can edit my own podcast. I have minimal editing skills, yeah, but I have, me too. <laughs> I have Camtasia and I can put it together. I can edit out the, you know, the bloopers and stuff like that If in case my assistant can't do it. But, um, I minimum, I, I you know, I, I know a lot of people spend a lot of money on. You, you can pay. There's so many services, yeah, you know, that serve entrepreneurs that will just like sap you dry. And so, I just you know, I do my podcast myself. I just edit it. I have my assistant edit it. Um, you know, I don't pay some big podcasting service. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a lot more professionally sounding. I know that. But I'm not willing to spend the money. That's one place I won't spend the money. I do spend money on social media. You know, yeah. I spend I I, I spend a service spend money on a good service that I have but that I'm happy with and I've done that for over a year. So you have to pick kind of where you want to, you know, have the outlay. But podcasting, it's so easy to do, mm-hmm. or, or go on upwork.com and get somebody to do it for you in a faraway land. And you know, just don't pay a lot of money for it as far as yeah. I'm concerned. You know, what's important about the podcast is just doing it. You know, the hardest part of doing a podcast is doing it, you know, recording the podcast and getting it up on Stitcher and iTunes and, and wherever. So, um, you know, I love that I've been doing a podcast. I I just did one the other day. It was totally you know, my boyfriend listened to it and he's like, uh, yeah, you could tell you, you were just sort of shooting from the hip and didn't prepare anything, but it's okay. Hey, that's how I do every episode. I know. So it's like, but the people who don't mind that and they, right. they like, they like me and they like my message. They, yeah. they overlook a few things. So it's not like an award-winning podcast but it is for an audience of emotional eaters that are tired of talking about diets, you know, yeah. and they know I'm real and they know mm-hmm. I'm going to, come. Comfort- they know I'm totally transparent and I talk about my personal life and, you know, and so it, that's what they let, like. you know, they, they, they overlook the, the lack of finish for content. And, and what I love about my podcast is anytime, and I probably will do this is I can transcribe this podcast and pull some real nuggets out of there and make a book out of it. You know, I can repurpose a lot of content in my podcast and, and write another book. So um, there's just so much at our fingertips now that we can do. I mean, uh, last year during COVID, I finally recorded my book um, on Audible. Oh, you know, I yeah. recorded my book and created an Audible book, so that was awesome. So there's just, I mean, there's no better time to be an entrepreneur because there's so much at our fingertips, yeah, and so much we don't have to pay mm-hmm. large amounts of money for, and then some things we do. So you just sort of pick your your um, expenses there.
0: Yeah. I'm in a couple of Facebook groups and I keep trying to encourage people. I'm like, if you're finding yourself walking away from your job of lately, um, I want to help you because I know you have a special gift and I know you can monetize it. And, you know, kind of going back to what I said before, I think that people have so many unique attributes that they just, they, they could share with the world, but they just don't know how. And I just have, I have an abundance of ideas. I'm not afraid to execute my podcast. Very similar. You know, like I said, I was using free conference before that. And I, then I would get in my head sometimes I'd be like, oh, you know, it's this person I'm interviewing going to think that I'm like less of a professional or less of a podcaster because I'm using this free service over zoom. You know, I, I had a client come into my home once and was pretty appalled that I don't work on a Mac you know, because she's like, how are you a marketer without a, without a Mac? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's just so weird what people latch onto in their head and what they create for you in order for you to be successful. Like, no, I can do my job just fine on my PC. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't, again, verbal diarrhea there. I don't really know where I was going with that, but mm-hmm. um, I love I love the idea of transcribing the shows and repurposing it for a second book. Um, I have told, been told by multiple people that I need to write a book, but I don't, I, I never follow up that question with, why are you saying that? <laughs> what mm. do you think I need to write a book on? <laughs> um, except for the other day, my mom was like, I was telling her this horrible morning that I had with my. Two children and they were really keeping me on my toes and she told me i should write a book so that other people could feel better about themselves <laughs> yeah, i was like thanks mom um, but but so writing the book so um as i said, so you recorded it did you have a ghostwriter did you write every single word in your book yourself like how did that come together um I wrote my book
1: first I spoke my book I went to some training that I paid a bunch of money for and uh spoke my book and then I read the transcript of it you know they transcribed it for me and I read the transcript and I was horrified and I put it down because I you know my writing is much better than speak a transcribed speaking you know Mm. and so I was like I'm never going to use that so it was a real personal journey. I mean, I, it was really hard for me to write my book, but I uh, ultimately did hire some, a ghostwriter who just, I gave her all my stuff, like transcriptions from stuff. And, Mm. you know, we, we worked together on the outline of it. The hardest part was the outline because there's so much, there were so many different ways I could go. It's such a dense topic, you know, emotional eating and food and all that. There's so many different ways to go. So um, we finally got it into a, you know, manageable system. And um, she did write uh, from my stuff. So sort of a mixture of my words and her words. Um, and then I edited it and kind of, you know, came back more to how I would say things, but uh, I couldn't have done it without the help. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have finished it. Mm-hmm. If I, I hadn't reached out for help. So that was, that was a big boon for me.
0: Yeah, it does seem like a very daunting task. Like, where do you even begin? (laughs) Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, you know, and just pick, like you said, nailing down a topic and not just trying to cram everything you want to tell people into one book. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's hard. I mean, I could easily do another one. I just don't feel like it because it's such a big job. (laughs) I really just want to. want to do my business. I love my business and the book works. I mean, I, there's so much I can do with the book that I haven't done Mm -hmm. yet. So I, you know, in terms of getting it out there and more marketing, it's been out for four years, but there's so much I can do with it to get it out there further. So I'd rather do that than go write another
0: book personally. Right. Talk to me a little bit about the PR opportunities that you've had. You've been on some major networks. Um, how did that come about?
1: Um, I hired a PR firm to help me. Okay. So I just hire out, you know, I just, I don't have time to do that stuff there. You can totally do it on your own. It is not hard to get, you know, if you, if, if you learn how it's not that hard to get, you know, um, gigs now, especially that everybody's, you know, recording from home now. I mean, COVID has changed made it so much more of a level playing field. But but again, I, I hired out for it. I did it for about six months. I got some great spots, but I don't get clients from TV, you know. Right. So it's nice to say you've been on TV, but basically. It doesn't get you business. It, it just up levels. It just gives you street cred, basically. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm actually teaching my uh, students right now about advertising appeals and, you know, how advertising appeals to somebody on an emotional level or a logical mm. level. Mm-hmm. Or you know you can use a humor appeal and try to catch people that way, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So when you look at a site and you see those things, it's you know maybe it's comforting or it, like you said it gives you street cred. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, really good. Um, anything else about your entrepreneur journey that just that I don't know maybe you don't talk about very often or a funny story um, or words of wisdom. Uh, that were passed on to you that you can pass on to our listeners? I think what comes to mind for me
1: is kind of a funny, well, it might not sound so funny when I say it, but it's, you know, um, what I tell my clients, you know, around their healing journey, and it's what was told to me um, from my mentor is, is just sort of a way of staying balanced around things, you know, because to me, the emotional journey is the hardest. Mm -hmm. So um, what my mentor told me is you're never doing, and and I apply it to business as well, is you're never doing as bad as you think you're doing, because we tend to beat ourselves up. So you're never doing as bad as you think you're doing and you're never doing as good as you think you're doing. Yeah. So it's sort of like both, you know, and I think that's kind of good to just stay right size because, because getting, you know, emotionally off balance is,
0: is a trap for us in either direction. So super true. And it just helps keep you humble. I think that yeah. um, kind of mantra <laughs> yeah. and it's always good to um, be humble when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> So talk to me a little bit about um you know if, if somebody's listening right now how do they identify themselves as needing help in the area of emotional eating? Yeah. Well, um sure. I mean, what I
1: would say is take the quiz. So I've created a oh, personal quiz. quiz for somebody and this might be helpful for somebody just wondering about quizzes too. So um my quiz is um on my website healyourhunger.com, and it's an emotional eating quiz and it'll tell somebody literally they'll give them a personalized score so um so it's uh like a three minute free quiz which asks a bunch of questions about your behaviors around food and your mindset and you'll learn by the end of the quiz whether you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between and so that's really what the quiz is meant for. And on the business side, the quiz is good, because it, it's a good first step for people, which doesn't commit them to much, you know, and it's free, and it gives them information. And then from there, um, I can send them emails, you know, that might be helpful for uh, things that I'm offering. So people can learn how to, you know, improve their situation.
0: That's great. And it kind of, okay. Totally off subject here, but this is something I have not asked a guest in a really long time. You haven't happened to take the Enneagram. Have you? Oh my God. I was just thinking about that in my meditation this morning, literally.
1: Yeah. So I, I have taken it. Um, I've taken it and then, um, my, I wasn't sure about my score. My sister's really into the Enneagram. She's a therapist. So she's always mm. like, oh yeah, he's a seven. Oh, she's a 10. And, you know, <laughs> always telling me these things. And, and so I'm not very knowledgeable about it. So she thinks I'm a seven on the Enneagram. <laughs> the enthusiast. But, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, I <laughs> yeah. but um yeah, so no, I, I'm not, I'm not too knowledgeable about that stuff.
0: I'm not either, but I did take it and I do find it to be probably one of the most accurate personality (laughs) quizzes Mm. that I've ever taken. So if she says you're a seven, you probably are a seven. I'm a two, which is the helper. And then my second highest score was a is a tie between a four and a six, which is the individualist and the loyalist. So (laughs) but yeah, anytime somebody says quiz, that's where my mind goes because I just I found it to be such a fascinating tool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's super cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you have healyourhunger.com, you have the Heal Your Hunger podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming your social media handles are branded similarly, Heal Your Hunger. Um, Instagram. Yeah. Um, Instagram is
1: actually Trisha Nelson underscore oh. at the end of the N and Nelson. So Trisha Nelson underscore is my okay. more, a- more active Instagram.
0: Okay, great. I'll link that for everybody in the episode notes as well. Um, any final words of advice that you want to share with our listeners today?
1: Uh, no, just keep the faith and put one foot in front of the other and meditate.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's that easy. You know, I always put <laughs> I always put a little like meditation um I make like slides kind of like a presentation mm-hmm. and I loop it as my students are coming into class to sit down cuz students are just super stressed out these days, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I use my meditation tools and my yoga and I put on some super Zen music. And, uh, and it's funny because, you know, they're really unsure about it at first, but then, you know, the other day someone's like, Miss Miller, do you meditate every day? You know? And I'm like, if I'm being honest, no, no, I yeah. don't, you know, <laughs> um, but you got to start somewhere. Right. Yeah. And I agree. I think um, the, the, uh, the book that changed my life, I I think changed my way of thinking just around so many things is the four agreements, uh, mm, yeah. by Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you read that?
1: Yeah. Love yeah.
0: It. Such a great book, but, um, but yeah, so kind of jumping from subject to subject there, but that just bounced into my mind, but I agree. I think, I think if we meditate, if we read that book, <laughs> It could mm-hmm. be super helpful for the Very whole world so. right now. That's, that's definitely what they need to hear. Take time to meditate and keep the faith. What a strong, powerful message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's
1: an inside job. You know, it takes, it's mm. a, it's, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart and it is a journey. You know, it's, it's that that cliche, it's a, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's, it's just all too true. So it's just really important to pace yourself and make sure you're
0: supported. Yeah. That's a perfect description An inside job. I love that. I'm so carrying that with me. <laughs> mm. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for that. Well, Tricia, it was great to connect with you today and thank you for sharing just about your entrepreneurial journey, your personal journey with emotional eating, all the tools that um, are, that you shared today, the quiz, the website, the podcast, I'll link all that in the episode notes so people can connect with you. And again, I just appreciate you for sharing with the world and, and getting out there and doing the thing.
1: Thank you. Thanks for your wonderful work and all the guidance you're giving to young entrepreneurs.
0: It's awesome. Oh, thanks for recognizing that. I appreciate you. Yeah, you too, sweetie. Thank you.